I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr Binks, you know that we're wearing a purple poppy today. Well, that's because we're zooming on the overground to meet British Army veteran Richard Mearns and his assistance dog, Ziggy, to chat about remembrance at this very poignant time of year. Hi, Richard. Hi, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. It's so amazing to meet both you and Ziggy and talk on our Remembrance Sunday special. Because you are a British Army veteran. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And Ziggy is your specially trained assistance dog. He is, he's a fantastic, fantastic uh, bit of kit, I would say. Bit I would refer kit. to him as an amazing post-traumatic stress assistance dog. You've had him now, what, five, six years? Yeah, so he's six in January and I got him when he was six months old, so so five and a half years, just over. Um, and those have been five and a half life-changing years, really fantastic. Really How long fantastic. was taking Ziggy into your life after you, you know, retired from the army? So I was diagnosed, so I left the army in 06 and then in 2009 I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and then I got Ziggy in it was sort of early 2016, sort of mid to 2016, um, and that's where sort of I decided that I needed to turn my life around because I'd been on a downward spiral for a number of years because of my mental health, and this was my opportunity to really take hold and get on with it uh, because I felt this was probably my last opportunity. Gosh. So. And and you know so. Ziggy was trained by a professional charity and you know in terms of what he's done for you very quickly as an overview at the start explain that because you'd not had a dog before but you must have ex seen the dogs working in the army and seen the amazing um, attachment between the handlers and the dogs um, and of course you know historic moments with Liam Tasker. Liam Tasker and Theo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember when that was, but I think it was about 2011. It was early on when I was doing the radio That's show at right, night, yeah, the first was, time round. It was around about that sort of time. Yeah, where his, yeah. His owner tragically lost his life, and then Theo followed paths, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. Highlighting that remarkable bond yeah. that it's two way. You know? yeah, absolutely. There, there's no, there's no doubt with, with. With dogs, animals in general, but dogs especially, they they have a sense of purpose and they give you a sense of purpose as well, uh, and that develops an amazing bond, uh, which I would say is probably one of the most unbreakable bonds you would ever develop until you've got chopped chop liver or something in your pocket and then they'll be off, <laughs> well, off of the wind. Maybe with a Labrador. Because <laughs> that's um, the breed Ziggy is, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, you were explaining he's half a show type Labrador and half a working type. Yeah, so so he, he is he has got the sort of body and the head of a of a show lab, um, but he's got the same drive and focus uh, of of a working lab which is important, but what's really important with Ziggy and uh, in his sort of role as a post-traumatic stress assistance dog is his ability to switch on and off, and not only that, his ability to realise that when I'm in a bad place, it's not necessarily about going out for a walk, it's, it's about um, making sure everything is focused and looked after, and he, he turns his 
drive onto that and make sure I'm okay, uh, which is fantastic. And I mean, you you can see here uh, we're in the middle of Hampstead Heath and all the smells and delights around, and he's right next to me, giving me his head so I can stroke him, so I can talk about what, in essence, is quite a difficult subject. Yeah, well, you're quite media trained, aren't you, Richard? You've <laughs> well, done a lot. I'm so honoured you've considered doing um, A Dog's Life, to be honest with yeah. you. So from this morning, BBC Breakfast, I think, well, and we've done various bits others. Bits of BBC, we've done radio, um, which has been great, and it's a great experience because it's something I would never have done before. Uh, and not only that, it, it's given me the opportunity to talk about mental health and really encourage others to talk about their mental health and showcase how amazing dogs are as well because um, Ziggy has changed my life um, because I and I mentioned it to you when we were walking up here but um, I went from self-unemployed where I was cherry-picking work and when I was taking work it was when I was in a good place and there were times where I needed to work but I couldn't um, so I wouldn't um, and for me, I, I had Ziggy turn my life around to the point where I could go back into full-time employment, uh, which I was really lucky to do. And um, with that, it, it, it gave me another purpose. It gave me another direction. And I, and I started working um, in an office in London, a serious fraud office. Uh, and they were the most welcoming people I went in, didn't even bat an eyelid. I went in with a nine-month-old pup with a do with a jacket on, saying I'm learning, and I was able to secure a job and develop and grow. And I've not looked back since. That's so great that such a kind of well civil servant type employer, if you like, would welcome dogs um, into the office. And I, I would imagine Ziggy had a really po great positive impact on other employees there too, like an icebreaker. I bet you made loads of friends really quick. Yeah, so so it was fascinating because um, with my PTSD, it comes you don't want to you don't want to go out at that time. I didn't want to go and talk to people, and you. you you really just want to be in your own shell and your own safe space. But that's where I say I, I realised I had to do something. Um, and you're right, Ziggy is a massive icebreaker, not only because of the size of his head, but because people look at him and say, wow. He's a good-looking Labrador. He is a good-looking Labrador. He is photogenic. Um, and like you can see on his Twitter, there's plenty of photos of his head. Um, <laughs> but crucially, what it, what it enabled me to do was to talk and it gave me the courage and ability to open my mouth and say, you know what, I was struggling. Even then I was struggling. But by talking about it and making people aware, the stigma of mental health was actually probably 90% me and 10% others, which mm -hmm. is a complete flip uh, to, to the reality of what you feel like because you think everyone, it's the other way around and you think everyone will look at you strangely. Um, and that's not the case. And it was important going into the workplace and having Ziggy by my side, not only enabling me to do my job um, and on the, on the work I was doing, the first job that I had or the first case I was working on meant I ended up traveling around the UK. Um, and that meant going to stay in hotels. That meant it, exposing myself to environments that I would never have even considered. So it was a real chalice of fire, but fantastic one because he gave me that direction. 
Yeah, and, and, and like having your buddy, I always think of it a bit like in Philip Pullman terms, you know, the Northern Lights mm, and all that, yeah. that, you know, Ziggy's like your demon, like your soul, like your, you know, the your better half. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that you become this one unit, really, um, going through the ups and downs of life. But... Yeah, but so a massive change, like almost naught to 60 for you, just by bringing Ziggy into your life. Yeah, um, yeah, I think with, without doubt, and in the sort of, the sort of early days, uh, I spoke to a chap called Michael Coates, who's a fantastic bloke, and recorded a podcast with him, but he described it fantastically, was that Ziggy is my emotional prosthesis. Right. Because he is there when I'm needing that extra helping hand and support and guidance because I, I have all my limbs. It's not obvious what's, what's wrong with me, why I've got an assistance dog. Um, but, but what is obvious is the difference that he makes. Um, uh, he, he's built my confidence back up from, from what was a very, very dark place. Um, and like I say, I'm now sat with you talking about things that I wouldn't have even considered talking about previously. Oh, wow, I'm so honoured. But it's because they don't judge, isn't it? And dogs, you know, are, are just, you know, kind. And they, I think, fulfil the one thing the human condition lacks, which is unconditional love. You know, people are a bit judgy, you know. But it was interesting that you said most of it was within, you know, and dogs do take you out of yourselves. Like now, you know, so you have to get out side with a dog so that inevitably means saying good morning to somebody when you've got a dog beside you because with dogs it's not weird to go morning I mean, it's weird if you haven't got a dog yeah. <laughs> Think, oh, who are you um you know what i mean it's it, it's true I and mean, like i say as my, i walk Ziggy as as many times as i can and get him out and about um and it you're right because you can go for a walk and weirdly you can walk for miles and you'll and you'll meet that one person um, who will say hello to you? Uh, who will say hello to you? Well done, Ziggy. <laughs> he was being rather rude, invading our space. <laughs> um, so he 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 will he will encourage you to have that conversation. Uh, and it's and it's quite funny because obviously yourself when you go out walking, Mr. Binks and Prudence, you you meet you meet people. Yeah, you, you, and and you go you go out and you chat to people, whereas I meet people like that every single day, every single moment, every every which way. So yes, because you've got it with you always when you go to the office be it, be and it, stuff. Be it shops. Be yes, it. talking of that, you have experienced some rather you know nasty, unnecessary, and potentially illegal discrimination. Um, have you not, Rich? Yeah, um, it's been challenging. I, I think. <laughs> something that you never prepare yourself for because you just think it'll be okay. People will just because it is be illegal. accepting because the law's there and it's there to protect you. Um, but I've had a fair amount of discrimination. I, partly that's because of education, lack of education, around access and assistance dogs. Where Ziggy's concerned. Where Ziggy's concerned. Yeah. Uh, and, and that are hugely concerning because I push myself, like say I'm naught to 60, there's times where I go naught to 100 and really push myself and do things that I wouldn't ordinarily do, uh, but I do it. Um, and to then be challenged and threatened to be kicked out of places because of Ziggy 
it, it really is a kick in the teeth mm. because you are doing what you, anyone else would ordinarily do. Um, like you're, go into... And I've been to shops, big brand shops, restaurants, small restaurants. Uh, ironically, the small chains and coffee shops are great. You can just walk in, no, no one will bat an eyelid. But the sort of bigger ones, they, they, because they outsource security and the likes, you end up in a position to um, be rejected. Um, and I think the worst one I had was I was, I was shouted at, um, sworn at, and told I needed to get out or they were calling the police. And that, when, you, when you've got post-traumatic stress and you, you're sort of already running on a quite high level anyway, to have that threat of violence and the likes uh, is really quite concerning. And we challenge it, and we challenge it in the most positive way. Right? We use social media and we raise it. Uh, I'm trying to get, um, at the minute, trying to formulate a way to get um, a sort of a hashtag of not just a drug to trend as much as possible because I use him and I go to places. And the only reason I go to those places is because he's enabled me to. Richard, do you think it's because, you know, your disability, as it were, I mean, is, mm. uh, uh, is invisible? You know, because I, I guess if... You know you're sight impaired, and um, but I know many many people with guide dogs yeah. face similar discrimination. You know, do you think maybe you know, if you were you know wheelchair bound, there'd be a difference or I th not? I, th I think I th like you say, and you point out, guide dogs get refused quite a lot as well. Yeah, um, and there's been some fairly high profile ones of late in central London where people have been rejected from restaurants in Leicester Square. You just genuinely, you think that that's a clear visible, I've got an invisible injury. That's a, mm, that's a injury. clearer visible injury. Mm, you know mm, what that mm, dog mm, is mm, there for. Mm, it's mm, a guide mm, dog. Mm, mm. So you know why it's there. And it is hugely concerning because actually, most of the time, the first words are uh, no dogs allowed, which immediately, like you're on the back foot because the reality is is there's no signs that say there's no dogs around for one but secondly you're protected by law so why shouldn't you and in, I have always said um, with with accessibility if you saw someone coming into your shop you wouldn't tip them out of their wheelchair because there's no wheelchairs allowed and that's exactly what Ziggy is he, he provides me with that uh, enablement to do day-to-day -day life um, you wouldn't do that, so I, you shouldn't discriminate against someone just because you're not sure what's wrong with them. No, 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 no. Um, and so it's it's good to carry on campaigning. And yeah. I know a lot, you know, particularly lately after the pandemic, um, there was a lot on uh, London news, particularly um, about guide dogs being refused, you know, as people were you know, coming out and about a little bit more and some establishments <laughs> simply not being with it, really. But no, that's good for you for doing that, you know. That's a difficult time of the year, Richard, for you, isn't it? I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, with, with Remembrance Sunday today, um, it's an important time of the year. And uh, for me, it's a massively important time of the year because, because it gives me that opportunity to remember not only the sort of the, the big name wars like World War One and World War Two, but the more recent the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan of Iraq, of which I'm a veteran of. Um, 
but with recent events in Afghanistan, it's quite prevalent. Yeah. And, and it is important to um, support remembrance, not only for the point of remembrance, but the Royal British Legion as well, provide uh, a lot of support beyond just a printing out a couple of poppies each, each year. They, they provide support across the board, be it legal through to um, sort of directional support. So it's important um, that it's remembered. Yeah, certainly in, in my family, you know, because my dad served in the Second World War um, and he went in after D-Day. He was a Royal Welsh Fusilier. Yeah. And he was really brave and he was awarded the Military Cross and everything and carried on in the army, he moved to Canada and then joined the Canadian Army and then um, ended up running the um, territorial unit somewhere near Telford in Shropshire <laughs> when I was a teenager. So he was kind of the oldest serving member of the British Army at one point. But he was, I was here, he was, that's all, that was his life, you know. And so I used to tease him, he was Captain Mannering. And uh, yeah, so, you know, the, the, the Royal British Legion, Dad would obviously you know, go out every, I remember it's Sunday with a tin and stand there and, you know, you know, collect money and, um, and he was very supportive with all sorts of charities, not least, you know, the RSPCA as well. Yeah. And um, Labrador's really featured in his life. Yeah. Um, they marked the time, I think, when he was in the army and as a younger person as well. There was a Labrador called Judy that, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah well, you know, remembered him when he came back from spending two years away. Um, and it's proving that dogs just never forget. And apparently she ran across the train platform, saw him come off the train, smelt him and hurtled. His father couldn't hold her to have this massive greeting on the platform. Yeah, I think if I, with, with the military, there's always been that connection. Uh, with with animals generally, be it World War One, World War Two, you've you've and dogs. A, a lot of dogs are mascots within the military um, because we, even to this day we still use working dogs um, who who have been in operations in Afghanistan, Iraq, and the likes. Um, but you also have mascots, like for example, the Staffordshire Regiment have a Staffordshire Bull Terrier as as a mascot. I think the, there's a, there is also the Welsh Regiment who have a billy goat as their as Who has the Irish Wolfhound? That is the Irish Guard, I believe. Yes. Double check that one. No, I know, but also, you know, actually in the war, some dogs just, you know, were with regiments to boost morale. And there's, you know, the National War Dog Memorial yep, in Wales, Richard. That's it, yeah. Do you remember Judy, the English pointer? That was literally just a morale dog in the prisoner of war yeah, camp. That's correct, yeah. I can't remember which, which camp it was, but... What it showed was the amazing work that they did just as dogs, because providing that support to people yeah. day in, day out, and the, the connection and the bond that they, they had. You had, you had those um, strong connections, and it enabled people to get through what was a horrendous time frame. Uh, and it was massively important to have, have those, those dogs with them as mascots, and because that's what they turned out to be, because they were there for emotional support. And it's funny, really, looking back, because um, nowadays people go out of their way to get an emotional support dog within business and the likes. So to see how, how amazing that connection is 
that far back. Yeah. Although that far back isn't that far back. Not really, but, but I guess you're right, because then we hadn't had the science that no. now confirms that stroking your own, your own dog sends oxytocin to your brain that just having a dog in the room reduces everyone's blood pressure yeah. you know, not just the owners but the whole room and you know all those the stats that dogs just make you smile and smiling triggers chemicals in the brain that are positive not negative it is interesting they were almost like well, experiments is totally the wrong word but you know but there was dogs like an Irish terrier called Tim I think he was in World War One. that was so distraught to be separated from his master, he jumped on a train yep. from Wales and got to northern France and found his master through a sense of direction or scent, but it's a long way to follow a scent till across the channel, and um, found his master in a trench and stayed for his whole posting, as it were, there. Do you remember that it, story? It's, it's that, it's, it, yeah, because it showed that drive and determination that dogs have, um, and, and that ability for a dog to, to, to want to be with its owner. Yeah. Because, because like you say there, it, the connections that the dogs have, be it through... Uh, the science that we know now yeah. um, and the changes, the dogs don't look at that. They look at their owner. They look at the person. And, I, and that story itself, is, it just shows how amazingly driven animals are mm. to being by your side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's massive. And, you know, the loyalty of, you know, dogs even then when training techniques were maybe a bit different to ours, but loads of people handed in their dogs, didn't they, for the That's Second right, World yeah. War to yeah. serve, to be messenger dogs, protection dogs, trackers. Because, yeah. you know, dogs have got that thing called their olfaction, which we haven't got. No, you know? that's We right. can't do the things dogs can do. And I think what, what's, in, what's important as well, sort of, especially with remembrance, is remembering the, how much effort these dogs put in, but effortlessly. Yes. They did things. They they were messengers. There were small dogs that were put into tunnels to so that people weren't put in the front line in the line of fire, so that they would deliver a message. They would do bomb detection, and even like I say, you've, you've got Malaya, where there was a dog called Lucky, and another group of dogs uh, who were trained to seek out the enemy in the jungle, and they would seek out the enemy, and they would go out of their way to track down these these dogs and I think Lucky was a Alsatian or a or similar breed and it was trained for the purposes of going out and finding people and tracking them down so that they could be identified but then jump forward 60 70 years to Iraq and Afghanistan you've you've got um, Liam Tasker's dog Theo who was out bomb disposal um, obviously that was tragic what happened there and sort of emphasises what remembrance is about as well. And then step forward into Afghanistan, you've got Kuno, where he ran towards gunfire. And he was, he was trained. He's, he's, he was an attack dog and he was also an explosives detection dog. Um, but they were in a firefight and Kuno was sent to attack the enemy and uh, incapacitate the enemy and he was without fault, ran towards the enemy and as a result of that he um, enabled the soldiers at the time to survive. There's no question about it because of the, the gunfight. Um, it gave them the opportunity to survive. 
in a very extreme circumstances. But tragically, as a result of that, he was significantly injured. And one of the injuries he got was um, uh, he lost one of his paws. And, and, uh, and it's horrendous, but he uh, was so, I say lucky, but he was able to um, become one of the first dogs with a prosthesis. Uh, and I say one of the first, I mean one of the first military working dogs with a prosthesis. And as a result of his actions, he earned the Dickens Medal, which is, which is just shows how brave it's like the Victoria it Cross, it's isn't it, for, for humans? And and I think they, they celebrated their 75th or 80th anniversary of the Dickin That's Medal right, yeah. um, a few years ago. And there's um, only ever been one cat, actually, to have uh, been awarded <laughs> the Dickin Medal. Um, and uh, my cat, Gremlin, was invited, uh, oh, can you wow. believe this, no, by the Imperial War Museum, me, a <laughs> <laughs> lefty to uh, represent Simon, yeah. the cat, um, at this, I think it was in 2018 we did this. It's extraordinary. So Gremlin had never seen a horse before, but of course horses were awarded the Dickin yeah, Medal. That's right. And, and loads of pigeons. The pigeons played a massive part. In the, yeah, certainly as mess, messenger pigeons, carrier pigeons, generally they, 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 they played a huge, huge part in, in, in the war effort. Um, because, like I say, they were just fantastic. Uh, they, they were trained to do something and they did it. Um, and that's the value of, of animals, not only in war, but in society. The War Memorial in Park Lane, which is, I think, oh, so moving. You know, there's an animal service there, I think, that happens two days before. Yeah, I think it's two days before. And, but like I say, that, that memorial itself is it's just... It's so hard hitting him because it's got the it's got the I think it's two donkeys there, carrying the weight, which they did time and time again during during sort of operations in in World War One predominantly, but obviously in World War Two they carried out a lot of work as well because technology advanced, but we still used and relied on animals to do various tasks, and it is and it is it's a it's an amazing memorial. I think it was, what, 2004 it opened, and and. It's, I mean, on the edge of Hyde Park, it's just a fantastic location, and to go there and just see it, I think, is something I, if you're ever in London, it's something you should always go and do. And, of course, wear a purple poppy. Yeah, um, the purple poppy is obviously the remembrance, and it's now under the charity Murphy's Army, uh, oh. which is, who, who, who provide the poppies, and you can get the poppies through them, and that is an act of remembrance where obviously we have the red poppy which is the importance and the value of remembrance sunday and remembrance day on on the 11th it's 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 such an important message that we remember all within it because conflict and i've said it time and time again conflict is brutal it's brought on so many advances and so many sort of progressive things from planes to medical sort of progression even up to conf current conflicts um, but to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice is important and for me uh, remembrance is, ex is massively important um, not only because in 2010 I was going to take my life as a result of my PTSD but also um, to remember those who have lost their life since um, and I think when I when I remember on Remembrance Sunday, on 
and when we have those two minutes silence or minutes silence wherever you are um, I remember not only those who gave their all for our country and freedom ultimately but I remember those that since the conflicts have taken their own lives and have died through suicide because of those conflicts and I think that is for me is an important thing and an important message to get out um, the remembrance isn't just about World War One and World War Two; it's about every conflict thereafter. And into the present. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as you can probably hear by my voice, it's quite a, uh, um, a difficult subject um, because it's so raw. I mean, 2010, taking a knife and putting it to myself and just having that sudden uh, moment to go, this isn't right, I've got to stop this. And to now being able to openly talk about my mental health and progressing forwards, um, remembrance is massively important. Oh, Richard, it really is. Look, thank you so much for talking about this. And everyone must remember and appreciate, you know, what we've got. Life is precious. And thanks to our dogs, we can remain in the moment as well. And look at Ziggy. He's, he's loving being by your feet yeah he understands everything yeah I mean uh, you can't fault Ziggy he I know many a dog that you know my stress levels and my emotions as you can hear sort of run through um we're in the middle of a sniffy park and he's sat by my side leaning in as much as he can against me um letting me stroke him and enabling me to just do what I do and encourage others to reach out and seek support and not only that to champion how amazing dogs are um, for mental health and sort of progressing forwards and giving people that opportunity they really are well richard thank you it's been such an honor to meet you and ziggy so pleasure is ours without question thank you <laughs> thank you our show Mr Binks what did you think yes isn't Ziggy the best Labrador you've ever met what's that yes you're right it is time for woof of the week at this time of year of course it's important to remember all human lives lost in combat but also the animals and for us especially the dogs that have put their lives on the line to help us all enjoy our freedom I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Richard Mearns and all the details about him and his assistant's dog Ziggy will be in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to my very patient producer, Mike Hansen. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So if you haven't already subscribed, subscribe now. <laughs> it's free and then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.